right. So David Shanks, of course, grew up in Brooklyn. Yes. And you've asked me a lot of questions on the podcast about how it was to be like a young white kid growing up in rural Kentucky. On which podcast? On our podcast, a guest in the house. Yes, with? With David Shanks and Mickey Hess. <laughs> My man. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so what made you want to rap? Hmm. My big brother. Okay. Yeah. My big brother, um, Jay Fresh, mm-hmm. and his partner, Pasha Shorty P. Shout out to Pasha, wherever he was, uh, wherever he may be, rather. Um, I was the alternate beatbox. Mm-hmm. So um, Shorty P was the beatboxer. And um, they were short and fresh, obviously, because ah, it was Shorty P and Jay Fresh, right? So now, did their individual names come first or the group name? That's a good question. I think I want to say they backtracked. Okay. I think they were short, okay. short and fresh, short and, and fresh. then it was like, "Whoa!" See, I was wondering how that comes together, yeah. right? Because yeah. like the Fat Boys, you assume like they yeah. just all have to I be think over. That, Wait, I mean, you're the um, hip hop historian. <laughs> how does Nice and Smooth come about? Did they come about the See? same way, or was Smooth be always Smooth B, and then Greg Nice always Greg Nice? See, because Greg Nice was beatboxing for Tila Rock, and he was already Greg Nice. Okay, and well, Smooth B go. was writing for uh, Bobby Brown he and those guys, for, and he, he was already Smooth B. Yeah. So that was organic. I think Short and Fresh came about the same way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. See. So I was um yeah I just in that little moment I kind of um. You know, wanted to be my big brother because they never okay. would let me. Yeah, I definitely think I already thought I had raps by okay. that time. And how I old was, were you at this time? I was nine. Okay. Yeah. And your brother is how many years older? My brother's got like four and a half on me. Okay. Yeah. So this was him in junior high school. And what year is this? Oh, uh, 87. Okay. East Flatbook. East Flatbush, Brooklyn. I definitely wrote my first rhyme, I think, in 88. Okay. Um, So, yeah, this was like 87. I was alternate beatbox, maybe even 86. Maybe it took me two years to, um, you know, muster up the courage to put something on paper. But definitely, um, I think my big brother was probably the, um, gave me the bug. And then um, Run DMC, as as we've talked about at you know, nauseum, <laughs> but you know, we can keep talking about it because <laughs> it's why run, not? It's run DMC, yeah. superheroes, but um, yeah. So, other than run DMC, what, what would t- I have heard coming out of your brother's room? Um, in '87, short and fresh, short and on fresh. the way, okay. short and fresh, they're actually in the are way. here to stay, <laughs> really? um, yeah, okay. And then, of course, I shared a room with my brother, okay. Um, so you would hear that. You would hear, um, my brother used to say this rhyme, but I think he was biting. Joel, forgive me if I'm throwing you under uh, the bus. It was something like, with the mic in my hand, you'll understand why they call me the miracle man. Ooh. But I think that was somebody else's rhyme. <laughs> you know, I think that might be original. I don't know where that would be. Who would come up with that? <laughs> the miracle Fresh. man. Yeah, the miracle mm. man, right? Um, other than that, so 80... 87. Okay. Um, I don't know. Red Alert. I was 
scrolling to dial mm. from Red Alert 98.7 KISS, scrolling back down to 107.5 yeah. WBLS. So you would have your tape. I'd have my tape recorder set on pause and you would all the way down Ooh, okay. and you'd catch Molly Mall and then you go oh, and you'd scroll all the way back and try and mm. get back to KISS and you would just do that back and forth with the pause and you'd create yeah, your, your tape. Own mixtape. So, I mean, you know... Um, you know, that was, every, name them, everybody. Okay. Uh, my favorites, uh, obviously Eric B and Rakim. Um, what I'm going to try and do, I'm trying to give you some guys that, I, that um, you know, people don't always talk about. Some East Flatbush think, guys. Um, well, you know, the Fushnikins, man. Ooh, um, man. <laughs> you know, UTFO. Uh-huh. Um, Jeanne. Um, J. Rue, not far away? J. East J. New York? J. from East New York. Not the same. Okay. Um, Couple neighborhoods away? A few, few. neighborhoods okay. away. Um, who else is from my hood? Special Ed is Ooh, from okay. Flatbush. But um, my boy Kev used to drive Special Ed around. Um, who else is from my hood? The wrestler, the Haiti kid. <laughs> really? Okay. That's random, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the Haiti kid? No. Um, <laughs> he was a, a small person wrestler. You can't, okay. Because midget wrestlers not going to fly in 2020. See, right? I wouldn't. We think used so. to call them midget wrestlers. Yeah. Somehow that not, term make escaped that political correctness to yeah, a certain extent. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why that term's still out there. It yeah, can't be cool. It can't be cool. I don't think they still have let's hope little not. people wrestlers. Yeah, let's hope not. Let's hope they're not calling them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the terminology, yeah. right? Um, who else? was um big so you know like the soundtrack coming out of my um panasonic double deck mm-hmm. um stereo would have been um man you know i was like the beautiful thing about it was you had this like crew bias mm-hmm. going on on either station right okay. so obviously you know marley and Mr. Magic were a juice crew. Of course. Guys. So yeah. what you had going on there was um obviously Shan and Shantae. Craig G. Master Ace. Master Ace. Um then, but you had your neutral artists, like Big Daddy Kane mm. was Big Daddy Kane. He that was wasn't not a juice crew thing, right? Fair Even enough. some Master Ace would bleed into both stations and i mean biz biz was kind of like that too biz was down with red alert too biz was everybody's friend right but you (laughs) know your craig g's and your you know maybe your young tragedies Mm -hmm. that was like mainly like bls stuff and then your uh kiss fm red alert extended stuff was like jungle brothers you know violator Mm -hmm. stuff right so uh chia lee uh you know jungle brothers yeah, yeah yeah early day lie early um Tribe Called Quest. Um, there was a song. Um, uh, man, is it JVC Force? Yeah, Strong Island. I yeah. love. I used to love that song. See, right? hip hop so radio. Talk about some of my unsung heroes, right? Yeah. So love JVC Force, right? Um, 
I never had hip hop radio. Oh man, you're right. right Nothing. Right. I mean, in, in Kentucky, there was a uh, University of Kentucky had an on-campus station with one hip hop show, but you had to be about three miles radius of campus before you could hear it. <laughs> so you know, on a drive through Lexington, you know, which was about an hour and a half from my house, okay. we would maybe hear a little. So you drive, you would drive there to hear. If you told and me you drove young. there yeah. and stood in the three mile radius <laughs> to hear hip hop, that would really. Oh, if I had been old enough, I would have. <laughs> you done. probably would have too. Yeah, I would have been like 10 or 11 yeah yeah jvc force okay. um black rock and ron oh yeah yeah okay getting large yeah. about that song right um man oh, obviously um you know ego tripping mm. mm. ultra magnetic yeah right set g mm. oh man right so ultra magnetic uh -huh. um BDP, like okay. original BDP. Um, shoot. Um, I'm, you know, I'm giving you like just yeah. stuff as it comes. There was a, um, that original, um, the Jungle Brothers song that, um, you know, like the first time Q-Tip came on, it used to the be. Promo. The promo. The Red Alert mm -hmm. promo. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah, 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 that was it. Um, Flojo, Fat Joe was originally uh, um, Red Alert promo too. Used to love Ooh, that. Okay. Um, there was the uh, Red Alert remix of um, I Got It Made, Special Ed. Okay. That used to kill. That was that was hard. Um, man, so much so much good stuff. There was a. Um, Craig G and Tragedy had a song mm. called Live and Direct from the House of Hits. And I was late. So sometimes you would be late getting over <laughs> to the dial. So you'd get over to the dial and maybe... So for like 10 years, I had never heard the beginning like two Ooh, bars yeah. of this song. Because I I had it on tape, but I never caught the beginning. So it would... I would just get it from Craig G saying, tell it to your offspring so they could follow through just like it was a golf swing. Mm. And that beat had the same beat as another one of my faves, something brand new from the Granddaddy IU. Ooh, Granddaddy IU. <laughs> yeah. I found a Granddaddy IU trading card, one of the old YoMTV rap cards. Get out. Yeah, a couple years ago in Philly. Shouts out to Granddaddy IU. Oh, yeah. Amazing, amazing Absolutely. artist. Yeah, and producer too, right? Did, did, did beats too. So you you don't Super remember cool. a time without hip hop? Mm, yes. Tiny kid, right? Tiny, you tiny, tiny, tiny kid. Um, the only thing I can really remember outside of hip hop is a Jackson Five Destiny record mm. that you know I used to scratch up. Well, see if I was scratching it, then that's not pre hip hop. But true, that's the <laughs> only you know I mean that and a um. A Mahalia Jackson eight track, yeah. Um, Brooke Benton, all my Brooke mm -hmm. Benton fans out there, I remember that. This is all like my dad's record collection that he left. Um, okay. Brooke, Brooke Benton, Johnny Mathis, and this um, Jackson Five Destiny record. That's all I can remember, like 
pre-hip-hop other than like maybe like gospel music or something that my mom might have been playing in the house but you basically grew up with hip-hop it, no from the beginning yeah from the beginning from the beginning i told you i um, i probably five years old mm-hmm. is like my earliest memory of hip-hop so that's 80, that's early that's 83 man yeah took a test to become an mc yeah, yeah. Suck MCs. So Damn. as hip hop like hit the airwaves and the mainstream, did you feel like it was an accurate representation of where you came from? As you started to see it on MTV, as you started to hear it on uh, other radio stations, bigger stations with a wider broadcast. Um, you know, and all of this is going to be like very hindsight and revisionist, mm-hmm. right? Because we were just excited. Yeah. Um. You were excited so, to see it out. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> correct. You know what I mean? Correct. So, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? You MTV Raps debuted in 88. I think that's right. Yeah. The, so, just with Fab Five Freddy. The, yeah. The night version. Yeah. Once a week. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was it was what it was then. Yeah. You and know, that would have been the first, like, I didn't have hip-hop radio, but Yo! MTV Raps was my first. And, like, I, and I didn't have cable show. in 88 either, yeah. so. <laughs> well, I was, at, I was at friends' houses that lived a little closer to town. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't yeah. have cable for a while. Yeah, yeah, so. Just because it wasn't available. We have that, we have that in common. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't afford it, and it wasn't available. So, yeah, it says it debuted August mm-hmm. 1988. Okay. I believe I knew that. I mean, it originally, I think, um, aired in Europe. Really? First. I didn't realize that, yeah, huh? Yeah, 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 imagine that. MTV Europe. So um, it took hold worldwide, mm-hmm. right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you got a rap in Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> you got a rap in Chicken McNuggets. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder, was that the and point my, where you started fa- to think? And my favorite. Um, oh, Fruity Pebbles. Yeah, Fruity Pebbles. Yeah. You know I love that. I'm Barney Rubble and I'm here to say oh. we love Fruity Pebbles in a major way. He's got the gold chains and the fedora. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So... Is Barney Rubble the first guess? <laughs> is Barney Rubble the first point where you start to say maybe this is not such a great thing that hip hop's blowing up all over the world? Is that when you start to say, ah, "Nah, I was too young, you're too young to think about"? I was too young. If we're yeah. going to the moment, mm-hmm. let me let's give that some thought. What was the moment where I said, "You're going too far. <laughs> <laughs> this is no longer um, me." It was definitely a commercial, uh-huh. right? I'm, I'm, it's definitely had to have been a commercial. Was it the rapping granny who was which? Um, oh yeah, <laughs> that wasn't great. Yeah, um, I mean the chicken McNuggets are pretty bad. California raisins. Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It definitely was like in that space where it's like, okay, this is getting a little crazy. And every Saturday morning cartoon would throw in like a hip hop style character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, yeah. you know, generally, they also had a skateboard. Like, a few things just didn't quite. Or they carried around a surfboard. Well, <laughs> well, 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 when you started seeing this this thing where yeah. the backwards cap guy mm-hmm. in the B-boy stance. Yeah. And I'm like, it's 92. Why do you have shades of backwards cap? Yeah. Not even you're standing in a B-boy stance. <laughs> like, no one's doing that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's somebody's uncle. That's when it started getting a little... A little crazy, mm-hmm. but you know, probably. Oh man, well into it was well into mm-hmm. the nineties for me before I 
consciously started feeling like something's off here. So this I is don't like where this is high going. school yeah. for you. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And probably, you yeah. know what I mean? It probably hmm. Remember now, I so I, I entered high school in ninety. Um okay. so I was I mean I get I get I have a partner. I have a um my man Judah. He's like remember Matt Pinfield? Yeah. Right. He's like a walking really? encyclopedia okay. of if I said any album, he'll go, Oh, that was nineteen eighty eight. Like that was June of ninety one. He's like, never he's, wrong. He's that guy. He's mm. never wrong. But because I was so heavy into um New York radio, specifically um Stretch Armstrong and Bobito by that yeah. time, I was getting stuff like I get the years confused because I may have had something in ninety that didn't drop until 91 because they were mm. leaking singles like we had the entire Illmatic before Ooh. it came out you know what I mean we were actually like disappointed um and we meaning like my group of friends you know because it, it changed a little to the album version I guess right no because no. the only song we didn't have was um the only song that we didn't really need which was um one time for your mind mm. that's the only song I didn't already have on tape okay when Illmatic um drops it was like <laughs> you know what i mean like and then it was only nine songs and we had all we had eight of them wow. so it was like uh, what is this so you, you know waited I mean? for the album to drop but you already had it correct mm. correct but so i was saying that to say like we i get confused in the years yeah. of when things drop versus like when i had him on like my walkman but mm. yeah you know i was in high school like you know dead in the middle of like X-Clan and mm. Black Medallions and mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like the hair wild on the top with the, you know what I mean? With, sure. the, with, the, with the shave size. Tell them fade the size, let it wolf on top mm -hmm. is what um, Grand Poobah said. So like that was my hip hop. Mm. You know what I mean? And when you started to see those groups and that music just vanish. Yeah. Right? Mm. By, by 90... Six ninety seven, the labels just wouldn't touch it. It's a wrap, right? They're right? dropping people left and right after Cop Killer, after NWA, after uh, Two Live Crew. Yeah, what's the last album of that? What would you would call that? You know, like militant era. Yeah, of militant, militant Afrocentric, political Afrocentric. Yeah, I think uh, that second Paris album. Yeah. Might have been what ninety two, I mean I guess there was still stuff after that. Yeah, I don't know if it was. I mean Black Bastards from uh, KMD yeah. got shelved. Yeah, it never came right yeah. until yeah, until Doom yeah. did it later. What is all? Uh, I mean, even you know we speak fondly of uh, mm -hmm. P Rock and Seal Smooth's the main ingredients like ninety four. Yeah, it's, that's it's, true. It was a hell of a long time ago. It wasn't yeah. even like recent, right? And um, in God We Trust, mm -hmm. these are mid '90s yeah. albums. So I'm by '96. I think it's a wrap. Yeah, on both coasts. On both coasts. Basically, I mean, it was a, it was an amazing run. When you think it probably only lasted from '88 to like '96. So you have um, it takes a nation of millions to hold us back, mm -hmm. and um, by all means necessary mm -hmm. and by 
95. It's about right? over, right? I mean, it's about over. I know I sent you a link to this Wise Intelligent interview a couple years ago. Yeah. Where he talks about being in meetings where, you know, uh, the labels are really discouraging rappers away from any kind of political content, but they're fine with the violence. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're fine with black on black crime on yeah. record. Yeah. But they don't want to hear about anybody shooting a cop. Yeah. You know, they don't want to hear about anybody um, complaining about a Korean store owner the way Ice Cube did. Yeah. Um, where they just, there's certain things they're fine with, you know, uh, sort of random gunplay, drive-by shootings. Well, that's fine. But if it's uh, violence against any kind of power or any kind of authority, it's not entertainment. It's have, not okay. Have you heard of that um, secret meeting that took place? Which one are you the, talking um, about? Where uh, the, the execs. With Young Buck? No, 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 no. There's a se- supposedly a secret meeting of record execs mm-hmm. that um, took place in the mid-90s where they... Um, What's the word? What's the sinister word of collaboration? Like they conspiracy, they conspire. Yeah. To um, they all have mm-hmm. stock, you know, in privatized prisons. Mm. And the key is, we need to change the landscape of this music mm-hmm. so that we can fill prisons. Yes. Fill the beds, right? Yeah. 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 That's you know. Mm one of the conspiracy theories that are out there okay. that they created gangster rap in order to yeah. fill the prison population. So in that interview, Wise Intelligent points back to the Kerner Commission report from the 60s. Mm, yeah. Which apparently is a real thing. You can yeah, look up and read, right? That's apparently a real thing. I and I think the uh, conspiracy theory from the 90s is kind of based on that, but the idea that maybe it was done a little more secretively or there, you know, no papers and policies have really gotten to the surface that people can point to and read. Yeah. But the Kerner Commission report was basically a shift from uh, music that really embraced black pride. Yeah. And toward black exploitation. Yeah. Essentially, that was what the Kerner Commission report revealed. Yeah, right? um, they, I mean, or espoused. I yeah, guess would be the I, word. S- I saw something the other day in in that Kerner Commission where they were like monitoring black bookstores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and 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 may have may directly or indirectly had a lot mm-hmm. had something to do with a lot of them closing. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Wow. And so, yeah, what happens is sometimes people say these things and whether there was a um, meeting held at a private residence on the outskirts of Los Angeles with um, record execs Mm -hmm. or not, what we do know is a lot of the things that were once conspiracy theories, i.e. the Kerner Commission, the Tuskegee Experiment, um, you know, so the conspiracy is real, whether we can this Pro. piece of it, right? Yeah, what we know is some of these things are no longer conspiracies. Now mm-hmm. that 30 years have gone by and we can pull up, you know, FBI, you know, evidence and things of that. And as you go back in the files and you see, okay, cool. Wait, they, sure. they're, CIA did have something to do with crack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so much of it is done right out in the open. Yeah. Um. I can entertain some of these conspiracy theories before yeah. I see the proof, right? Correct, 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 correct. And so, 
And then, I mean, if it wasn't a conspiracy, it was just a clearly a good way to make a shitload of money right. because that's what happened when, you know, they started sure. <laughs> going the other way. You know what I mean? And I mean, so there's, mm. and we talked about this with NWA because a lot of people um, point NWA out as like the turn. Mm. And I think that in many ways that's inaccurate. Okay. And that, first of all, NWA is pre that, you know, and mm. way oh, sure, yeah. drops in 88, 89, sure. you know what I mean? 88. Mm-hmm. Straight out of Compton's '88, and Schooly D was doing similar rhymes a couple years before. And what what we talked about was um, even the change in NWA's kind of mm-hmm. music post Straight Outta Compton. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even um, Niggas for Life, like yeah. post, right? So uh, there's it's not that because that stuff was not celebrated. That stuff mm. was fought against. Yeah. By the time we get to say doggy style mm. or the chronic, now yeah. <laughs> we're in a different space. So Dre's um, so stance a, on marijuana had changed. That's a well, 180 the, degrees. Well, that in the meantime, too. Right? I don't smoke weed or cess because yeah. it's no give you brain damage. Brain damage. <laughs> brain damage on the mic. Don't manage nothing. Um, right. Yeah. To, until you find the chronic. To, until you find <laughs> the chronic. Yeah. Yeah. But. Um, and that's when we're talking about the, although, you know, The Chronic is one of the greatest that's a good albums album. of all time. Yeah. But we're talking about a no longer anything that seems to be a real authentic representation of yeah. the young black experience. It's taking mm. certain segments of it and almost turning it into a black exploitation. Sure. I would say doggy style is kind of a black exploitation. Even the cover art, right? Yeah. Even the little booklet that yeah. comes with it with it's the literally, cartoons. It's a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, right. So yeah. how could it not be a caricature? Yeah. Yeah. You know, thinking about like this turn that legitimized or fostered um violence from black men toward black men as yeah. entertainment and yeah. hip hop music. Not yeah. that that was the first place we ever saw it, but at the same time, they really quashed any kind of revolutionary violence, you know, violence against authorities, police officers, um, you know, making bombs, blowing up buildings, some of this black revolutionary action we'd seen in real life in the 60s, but we heard talked about in hip hop music. 100%. You know, one of my other primary influences, the same time I was listening to some of this music they were talking about, I was watching a show called The Dukes of Hazard. I was too. Uh, about, <laughs> about a couple of uh, backwoods Georgia cousins yeah. who were constantly like evading the law. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there were police cars chasing them, crashing, mm-hmm. blowing up all the time. One, they of, the, were, one of the greatest theme songs. Oh, Waylon Jennings. Yeah. 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 So I know Breeze Bruin from Juggernauts has a song called Generally. Okay. About like. Generally. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, Generally yeah. as the race yeah. car. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, he's talking about growing up, loving this show with these guys driving around with Confederate How flag on their car. amazing is that, that they right? were able to just do that right up under us. Wow. Yeah, so we you let, were watching this in Brooklyn. I love that show. Yeah, it was a good show. Just the good old boys. But they're, they're rebels. Never meaning no harm. That's their whole identity, right? Yeah. Roscoe Pico, Trey. Yeah. 
He's this bumbling sheriff that they're always outwitting. But you're supposed to understand that, well, you know, the sheriff is corrupt and his boss that kind of runs the town is just rich and corrupt and siphoning money off the community. We don't just love that show. Yeah. We were able to immortalize the Daisy Dukes. Oh, that's true. In hip hop culture. That's true. The Daisy Dukes. We appropriated. You brought them back. Daisy Dukes into hip hop culture. That's how much we loved. Wow. Look at that. Well, okay, you, you can have that because we took the banjo. Well, true. Okay. Fair exchange. Is that a good trade? <laughs> Fair exchange. Fair exchange. But um, you touched on something interesting, um, which is what type of violence yeah. is advocated. And what type of rebellion and is celebrated, right? Who are your heroes? I mean, if the Dukes are like a Robin Hood kind of figure. That too, but I'm speaking of what you just said in terms Mm. of black-on-black violence Mm. being rewarded in in music, in song. Mm -hmm. But state violence Mm. or anything um, revolutionary towards the power structure. Never. Unless it's two white cousins from Georgia. Yeah. With bow and arrows, right? How do how do you think if we juxtapose that, if mm. that's the word, against for your sake, I'll mm. say the N word mm-hmm. and the free and gratuitous use of the N word, as opposed to some of the other slurs that um, are not allowed. You mean in censored in hip hop music itself? In hip hop music itself, we're talking hmm. now about what is allowed and what is censored. Yeah, and and what and is it, celebrated? It, correct. Yeah, and what appears to be hmm. okay. Yeah, encouraged, rewarded, versus what is an absolute no-no. What will get your album pulled off the shelf? Hmm. And if can we find patterns in what? <laughs> Is allowed. I see where this is going. I'm following it's you. Always following you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is allowed? Mm. Um, Dave Chappelle, um, in his last comedy special, uh-huh. um, talks about roughly a meeting he had with uh, an exec, mm. and um, if I'm getting the story correct. Um, had to do with the N word mm-hmm. and the F word. Ah, uh, the old homophobic F. Word. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And okay. it was, um, you know, you can't say that. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, why can't I say that? Mm-hmm. I can say the N word. It's like, well, but Dave, you're not gay. Mm-hmm. His response was, well, I'm not a nigger either. Ooh. There you go, right? Mm. Hmm. Is that homophobic F word that censored in hip hop, though? Today? Yeah. It's slipping. Yeah. It'll slip through the cracks of certain, from certain artists, your guy being one of them, our guy, our favorite guy on this show, Mm. Eminem being one of them. (laughs) He gets to say it. Even at 47 years old, he's Correct. still throwing it around. Correct. Well, Elton John hugged him that time. But so. I, I think 
generally, no, I think that word's kind of been, I hear it every once in a while. Mm. And I think it's just the artists who may say it, Mm -hmm. it gets, it slips. But Mm -hmm. no, that word's pretty much gone. And often when it slips. They're they're all gone. The only one left, the only two left is nigga and bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. All the other words are gone. Yeah, you know, I think with the old homophobic F word, when you do hear it slip and you hear somebody try to defend using it, I know Eminem specifically used this defense years ago. He said, well, I, I'm not referring to a gay person. You know? right. I'm just referring to like somebody who's lame, not cool. And hey, guess what? He's right. Yeah. Because when we, you know, when I've used the word, mm. and we were not talking about someone's right to love another you know, in someone of the same sex, like we, you know, it's just, it was just a word in the lexicon that means a specific set of things, mm-hmm. right? It's normally levied on straight men. Sure. And to emasculate them, right? In, 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 in sort of a way, mm-hmm. but it's not that deep. Oh, you're offended. Oh, my bad. I won't say it anymore. It ain't, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's that simple. Oh, snap. That's not how we meant it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're offended though. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I can say something else. That's how I took it. Like, oh, okay, I won't say it. I don't have to say yeah. it. So you learn that people don't like it. People aren't taking it the way you think you're using it. And, and I'm not going to fight right? for the right to use it. So you don't feel like it's your right as an American to use this word? <laughs> no, no, I'm cool. You know, I'm yeah. cool. I, I, you know, you got other words. There's two sides to everything, mm-hmm. and I get it. But if it's going to cause... Mm-hmm. Because I don't mean that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. using it to offend LGBTQ sure. people. So if you're bothered by it, yeah. okay. So I've got a quote from Huey Newton on this back in 1970. Mm. Um, the French author Jean Genet had participated in some interviews and sat in with the Black Panthers. And he had said at the end of it to Huey Newton, like, I, I, you guys throw this word around a lot, and I don't like it. I don't, it's not cool, you know, because it's, it's like a slur against me. Mm. And Newton's response is, we should be careful about using those terms that might turn our friends off. Mm. The terms faggot and punk should be deleted from our vocabulary, and especially we should not attach names normally designed for homosexuals to men who are enemies of the people, mm. such as Richard Nixon and John Mitchell. Mm. Homosexuals are not enemies of the people. Mm. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's a good response, yeah. right? And he actually said... Sounds like hate speech to me. It doesn't, right? Black Panthers, yeah. <laughs> and he actually <laughs> said, you know, the Black Panthers should try to make some inroads with the gay rights movement because really, in the end, it's part of the same struggle. Right. Right? You got the same enemies. Exactly. Same enemies of the people. Right. Yeah, so I mean, I've, I've definitely heard a lot of white people upset that they can't use the n-word freely right who insist on using it but what it also speaks to is that when properly motivated Mm -hmm. we can galvanize as a country and kind of quell Mm -hmm. certain stereotypes archetypes sure when needed it's just some we prefer to let be yeah and some we prefer to enforce. Sure. And so in the same vein that we're, you know, we're talking about these words is mm. in the same vein where um, 
projected violence towards another man of color or woman of color, mm-hmm. that's okay. That sells records. Sure. Violence against anybody else. No, no. Mm-hmm. I noticed even Redman just put out a song called Slap the Shit Out You. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the video. I did. He has the little disclaimer at the beginning of yeah. it where yeah. he says, it's not cool to slap people. <laughs> if you're yeah. in a relationship and you're being hit, that's not okay. Because <laughs> it's necessary today. And then it, it turns into like a comedic video, yeah. right? Um, and obviously, I think any rational person would watch the Red Man video mm. and understand, well, this is a joke. This well, is comedy. And what is rational? Yeah. In this, what is in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe, you know, even though Red Man was protecting himself to throw that disclaimer on there, I believe he's probably not in favor of domestic violence. I would hope right? not. I would hope not. <laughs> and so it should almost go without saying, but... I mean, the same is not true of several rappers who celebrate domestic violence on record and then do it in real life. Yeah. Um, And that's where, like, for me, as a white scholar or critic writing about this stuff, am I crossing that line? Am I doing what Lord Jamar says is taking it too far or going too far if I say, well, you know, I think the certain hip-hop is too misogynistic. I think certain hip-hop is too homophobic. Mm. Um, is it my place as a guest to even raise these concerns? Mm. Is it? Probably not. Mm. Um, but in my role, say at the front of a classroom, if I play a song, I think I got to speak to it. If I assign a song as required listening, um, there are certainly women um, who take my classes. There are certainly gay students, queer students who take my classes, trans students who take my classes. Mm. Um, if, say, I play something that came out in 89, 1990, that was not at all friendly toward mm. a group that a student might belong to, I got to say something. Mm. I got to put a little disclaimer, trigger warning, and just say, you know, personally, I don't think this is okay. So if, if by... We going back to that foundation conversation <laughs> yeah. you're having, right? If hip hop foundationally mm. is misogynistic and homophobic, hmm. how does that make you feel about representing yourself as a hip hopper? Because if we're talking about your ability to check certain behaviors mm-hmm. and certain norms in a culture that you participate in, mm-hmm. what if the rebut is hey that's the culture it began mm-hmm. i mean if that's if that's true i'm not saying yeah. that's true i'm saying if it is if we if if, if lord yeah. jamar is saying we don't tolerate certain things in hip-hop and you have no mm-hmm. right to say that that's okay when you're not if that's the case if mm-hmm. if we're saying this extension of black culture is um very alpha mm-hmm. male driven yeah and we don't accept mm-hmm. or tolerate certain behaviors as normal mm-hmm. then what is what is the response to try and change it mm-hmm. to disassociate with it like what you know what i mean mm-hmm. and that's where i guess we're getting back to what is the foundation of hip hop i don't sure. know that the foundation of hip hop was homophobic i don't know that anywhere anyone ever said yo (laughs) here's the manifesto you can't be homosexual and be Mm. involved in hip-hop but there is homophobia even in rapper's delight 
he's a fairy, I do suppose, flying through the air in pantyhose. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I it, mean, it goes back. Yeah, yeah. But, I, I mean, you know, he was wearing pantyhose, Superman. And, yeah. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. So, there's that. Yeah. I guess I've given myself we also lived. Out. We also lived in a homophobic society in 1979 oh, outside of, you yeah. know, lower Manhattan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the same in <laughs> San Francisco. <laughs> true, true. So, yeah. um, you know, there is there is a danger, and we're seeing mm-hmm. it now with the cancel culture and everything like that. There is a danger. I mean, and even in, you know, but then we get into the weird stuff, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to get myself in trouble <laughs> in this podcast. But we get, and we've had this conversation probably off mic where we get into the conversation about what should be erased yeah. and what should be not embraced, mm-hmm. but allowed to stand as the history of this country you know so Mm. when we start erasing people when we start pulling down monuments and statues Mm. and saying that something that someone said in the context of a hundred years ago is now you know should be stricken from the record Mm. then while you know there is something to correcting the wrongs of our nation is also something to us not being able to correct the wrongs because uh, racing can be dangerous that they never existed. And if we yeah. if we pretend they never existed, then I don't know that that's a correction. No, I mean there's the addition of Huck Finn that took out yeah. every instance of the yeah. N word and, and replaced, replaced it with slave. slave. Correct. Which is an odd way to censor it anyway. I, I agree. And I don't know. What conversations best come out of that for Correct. a teacher who wants to assign that version of the book? Correct. But I mean, if I, I'm teaching a lit class, if I assign Flannery O'Connor or William Faulkner, mm-hmm. I certainly have to address the, the Southern white culture and the time they come from. Um, and I have to say, you know, there the are characters in this story who are going to use some very racist language. Correct. And if you look up interviews with these authors, they're going to use some really racist language. It's not just the character. Correct. You know, here's this mentality. Here's this interview with Faulkner. Here's this interview with O'Connor. So teaching a hip hop class, even as a white guy, I got to say the same thing when I play Brand Nubian. I don't I don't disagree. Now, that I does. I it, don't disagree at all. It gives me somewhat of an out to say, like, as a professor, like a teacher in the classroom, my responsibility to look out for the students is greater than my responsibility to take a step back in my relationship to hip-hop culture as a guest. Correct. Um, I'm not going to necessarily knock on Lord Jamar's door and say, hey, I think you've got to stop, you know, go back in time and edit those homophobic lyrics out. Right. But in the classroom, when I play Brand Nubian, I mean, I think the only other choice is not to play them. Correct. And I don't want to do that. Right. Um, but I can't play it without saying, hey, he's going to say this word. It's going to not you. sound right yeah. to hopefully everyone in the room. Here. Yeah. Yeah. And it certainly doesn't sound right to me. Yeah. Because yeah. if I don't say that, it kind of condones it. I, as a professor, I would say, yeah, yeah. as a professor, that, that could be assumed. Me, personally, I don't feel that if I'm going to be asked to, you know, kind of qualify or or state my stance 
on that, then I should be asked to state my stance on a whole bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know that I didn't write the lyric. You know, <laughs> I should be, <laughs> I, yeah, I should have to hold up to whatever, whatever I write or say out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. I have to stand with that. For listening to Brand Nubian in 1990 mm-hmm. or 91, I don't feel like I should have to answer to that as a hip hop fan. Ooh, to answer for your own experience as a listener, yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Brand Nubian certainly wasn't the worst thing I listened to when I was a kid. Oh, that's right? for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. But I can see now, you know, where that, you know, that type of speech is harmful sure. to a group of people. And mm-hmm. that would never be my intention to be deliberately, well, Mm-hmm. Depends who the group of people are. Not <laughs> just regular citizens sure. of the United States just trying to live their life and get by day to day. There's, you know, there's a certain it's the segment. enemies of the people. Correct. There's a certain segment that I, I, I mean offense mm-hmm. to. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but you know, no, not not to people deciding mm-hmm. or choosing to love or be with a particular person. Yeah. Clearly, right? And I don't think that. Then we get into like how hip hop, you know, moved downtown from from mm. uptown and who was involved uh, in that scene. Who's signing those checks? And yeah, and so the things that we were not for, you'd be surprised mm. their contribution to where we are. So when you get into that stuff, it's like, mm, is it really? Yeah. Who's dressing these guys? Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I take all of that with a grain of salt. But I do find it interesting when we talk about, you know, kind of what does come through unfiltered. Mm. And under the guise of, well, like this is the black experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is keeping it real. Hmm, okay. And so you can't censor them speaking, mm-hmm. you know, their truth. So when I was, say, 12 or 13, um, among, you know, 99.9% white classmates in Kentucky, mm-hmm. it was very common among boys and girls to, to use the, the old homophobic F word as a slur. Of course. You do it around constantly. Of course. Not even um, as a slur. As regular speech. You call your friend that? Yes. Yeah, it's As regular it's speech. It's true, yeah. Yeah, all day long. And I hear from students that, you know, were 13 much more recently than I was, that mm-hmm. that's not so much the case anymore. No. That's, and that's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. And progression is important. Absolutely. And progression is important. So I guess the question, when we talk about this foundation thing again, so the mm-hmm. question is, if I'm saying that, then, you know, is it time mm. to revisit the N-word? Hmm. Is that the final frontier of <laughs> hate speech? <laughs> revisit it how? That seems to be, again, like I said, mm-hmm. the only word that yeah. is allowed to exist. Both allowed and so censored at the same time. Although... 
you know, there is there are members of the LGBTQ community mm. who use the word sure. like with each other, and they have car blanche to do that. They're mm. allowed to do that, and I don't feel no way about mm. it. I think that they should, and I, if that's what they decide to call themselves when they're talking amongst themselves, that's mm. fine. I don't feel that I should need to use it because they do. So there's that. Interesting. Sure. But. So you're talking about like claiming a slur, like reclaiming it. It's like a, yeah. a badge of honor or just taking yeah. the sting out of yeah. it, right? But if we uh. keep butting up against the same issue where mm. this word is being used in ways that is uncomfortable, mm. but we're still laying claim to it. Where every any other every other group seems to be able to eradicate mm-hmm. slurs that were once applied. To, is it time for us mm-hmm. to revisit that word? That's a good question. One that I didn't really think of in that in this particular context. Like, what is so special mm-hmm. about that word, or our need to use it? That at the same time where I guess I can see where there's power in taking the word, reappropriating mm. it, and saying it's now a term of endearment from one sure. brother or sister to another, and it's our word, and we use it, and you can't. You want to hear a prediction from KRS-One in 1993? Sure. 1993, KRS-One on this topic says, quote, in another five to ten years, you're going to see youth in elementary school spelling it out on their vocabulary tests. It's going to be that accepted by the society. Mm. Did that pan out? Not yet. <laughs> but, you know. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, you know, you're getting to a space where you're not, it's not even being blurred, blurred, blurred out in some mm-hmm. instances, right? It's just, it's, I've heard it on the radio. Sure. But you've seen people... Actors, politicians, white actors, white politicians get themselves into a lot of explaining they had to do. Yeah. Um, Madonna, for example, threw the word around a video um, referring to her son. Yeah. Um, you know, pronounced it with an A at the end of instead course. of an ER because that's a whole other word. Of course. Right? Um, Gwyneth Paltrow got mm. herself in trouble okay. when they were in Paris. And she was there with them. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's at the same time, it's become more commonplace yeah. and more, more policed, I guess. Um, I don't know about that. I mm. mean, the reaction in many spaces will still be visceral. It's still mm. a yeah. reaction. People are still bothered by it. But again, the more we become embedded mm. in main society the more it becomes oh come on man you know and you see us start to advocate for it amongst each other like come on man he's cool mm. he can say it we're giving wow. out passes right mm. there's that thing and no, i gotta say passes. it all the time i say it with my friends it's cool yeah. it's not it's not what it's not that anymore sure. but the, the only word that, that has a, that much heat and mm-hmm. We, getting back to the house, we mm-hmm. allow it. Hmm. So Lenny Bruce, another quote, mm-hmm. white comedian, 1960s, said, it's the suppression of the word that gives it the power, the violence, the viciousness. 
if President Kennedy would just go on television and basically repeat that word over and over and over, then you could never make some six-year-old black kid cry because somebody called him that word at school. That's a perspective. That's a perspective. <laughs> he was challenged by a black journalist, Bova Davis. A lot of people don't know this other little piece to the story. She challenged him after he uh, opened his set with that joke at the Basin Street West Club in San Francisco. She wrote, I was shocked speechless, mm. which I suppose is what Bruce intended. This would have been again in the 1960s. Right. Davis interviewed Bruce after the show and found him combative. He pretty much said, she, she wrote, that he didn't care if he hurt anybody because that was his act, baby. Take it or leave it. Mm. So it's hard to, to hear that commitment that he espoused on stage when you hear his response to this black journalist who said, hey, I don't like that. Yeah. When you throw that word around. Yeah. Like and that's where it gets, you know, mm -hmm. the doubling down on things sometimes and the lack of um, the tone deafness of things sometimes mm -hmm. is where we, we, we trip up. I guess the thing about it is, and we're getting back to the ownership thing, and, and, and mm -hmm. I get, I don't have, I personally can say I don't have much of a problem with the word. Mm. You know what I mean? I use the word, but again, we had a conversation about that before and about words. But um, there's no longer the context in which the word was used when like, I grew up mm. listening to hip-hop. I don't feel it now. It's mm. removed. You know what I mean? Why we're using it and what, yeah. why we took it and why we, you know, like, um, you know... Um, Q-Tip has the word, you know, hey, sucker, nigga. Sure. And he kind of goes into that. Goes into etymology yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, whether it's even um, Richard Pryor or, mm -hmm. or, or anybody who, you know, masters of language, Dave Chappelle, people who master language and use things for a specific reason, for a specific um, outcome. Mm -hmm. There doesn't seem to be that anymore. The same way the violence and the, you know, or the misogyny or the, it doesn't feel anymore like Ice Cube talking about, you know, the dope man or, or giving you a window into mm. a particular aspect of life or a particular segment of the, of the community. Yeah. It's just like, there's no reason. It's just blah, 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 like, just talk, talk, mm. talk, 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 talk for the sake of like selling records. And sure. making records. And that's the dangerous thing to me when that's happening at the same time while, you know, we don't want to be disrespected. And it's like mm -hmm. at some point in time, you know, you got to respect yourself in order to mm -hmm. get respect. And, you know, that's that's I don't, that's the 40 year old me talking for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's it's we're going to have to make some choices about how we want to be. Um, dealt with mm. and that's going to start with how we deal because if we keep making these records mm. they're going to keep rewarding us for making them you know <laughs> <laughs> you make a good point yeah I mean the question is are you embracing a slur to reclaim it take the sting away and then does that extend to like embracing a harmful stereotype yeah then you embody like all these negative concepts of what it means to be young, yeah. black and male, typically. Yeah. When and you're with, looking at hip hop. And even in the case of Chappelle, or even going back to, like mm -hmm. I said, Trump, there's a difference between 
the hip hop act writing music in 1992 mm. and 2020. Yeah. You know, we talked about this in a previous podcast about, you know, what when you're going into the studio and you're, you know, Migos or Travis Scott or any of the big acts mm. now, you know exactly where this music is going when yeah. you know what I mean? And you hit does, a certain level. And right? and does that affect the music you make mm. when you know like I'm going this is going out to an arena of fifteen thousand people yeah. and and you know, five percent of them will be Sure. You know what I mean? And it's gonna stream sixty billion times and I know how many of those streams are gonna be. Mm. And so then what am I saying to these people? Yeah. And what notions do they come to your music with or come to your show with? And, and what are you reinforcing? Yeah, that's where it gets real dangerous, right? So when you when you marry that uh-huh. with, you know, black men being killed on camera, mm. either by themselves or by vigilantes or mm. by the police, when you, you know, it's just it's just a lot, mm. and it just becomes like, at you know, like I said. Like I keep saying, at what point in time do we take some type of mm-hmm. stance or responsibility on what you know we project and what we put into the world yeah. when it's clearly coming back to us? I mean, I even saw that Juicy J from Three Six Mafia recently apologized if he ever encouraged anybody to use drugs. <laughs> he did. DJ Paul said he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we better head into our, our final little moment of the podcast. We'll go ahead and I'll read and Dave will rap is what we usually do. We'll shift into that if that sounds good to Dave. That works for me. All right. I will, uh, I'll read a little piece from my book, I guess, in the House of Hip Hop. Just, I'm not going to keep, I'm not going to stop mm. until someone hears me, man. Absolutely. I just, just want to make that disclaimer. Oh, absolutely. We won't pot about it every single podcast, mm-hmm. but, you know responsibility on the part of the performer. I, I think so. I think it's time. Yeah. Yeah. We can't claim ignorance anymore. Mm. At least point. the ones who can't. Yeah, mm. I'm sure, you know, there are kids who can claim ignorance and sure. they're grown ass men who are 40 making mm. hip hop who have children who put their kids in private school and yeah. use rap to put their kids through private school and don't have them in the environment that they came from because yeah. they know that it's not the most. So come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one to reconcile, right? When, yeah. you, when you live in the Hollywood Hills, like Ice-T said way back with Cop Killer, but, you know, you're, you're putting out music about the hood, mm. right? And not really addressing that discrepancy the way Ice-T did, right? Mm. Yeah. All right, so I'll read a little piece from my book, A Guest in the House of Hip Hop. Um, this is just a little bit about having a daughter and going around listening to hip-hop. So it bounces off of Dave's last comment. Um, I know I mentioned to you a couple weeks ago, like um, I played hip-hop pretty regularly for from, from my daughter from the time she was born. She's 10 now, but um, when she was maybe five, there was a word she'd heard on a lot of hip-hop songs, and she came and asked me what it meant. Um, and that's the word we've been talking about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, you know, it's a really incredibly hurtful word to you know black people mm-hmm. um like your cousin ben for instance you never ever want to say the word as a white person there's just no need for it um it's very hurtful 
Um, but the way you're hearing it on these songs, and this is me explaining to a five-year-old again, you know, it's used almost as a term of endearment. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where I left it at five years old. She immediately came back and said, can Latinos say it? (laughs) That's a tricky one, Darren. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think we've quite decided We're still fighting about that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's just a little tidbit from my book where I talk about uh, censoring certain aspects of rap music when my daughter was really young. Cool. Sorry, my mother was certain rap music was a bad influence, but I played the ghetto boys for my little sister and she came out fine. She grew up to be a campus minister who spells out curse words when she's quoting them even in a crowd of adults. If rap music did not harm my sister, if I make money writing about rap music, can I justify keeping it from my daughter? In the car in the earlier months of my daughter's life, I broke my car stereo, forcing the volume down to silence the filthiest few seconds. Beaten, I turned to the tactic of allowing explicit content in a language we did not understand. She and I became huge fans of German rap, in particular a white kid, Lance Butters, who raps wearing an Iron Man mask. (laughs) She came to love Lance Butters so much and knows so little of comic book superheroes and their blockbuster movies that she believed her favorite rapping Berliner had a huge U.S. following. Mm -hmm. The blockbuster Iron Man movie had just been released, and there was Lance Butter's imagery everywhere. She was four years old at the playground, excited to meet a little boy in an Iron Man t-shirt. She ran to share her enthusiasm for songs like Halt Dinah Fressa and Off Deutsch Rap, but then walked back to me grinning and shaking her head, Daddy, that boy doesn't even know who he has on his shirt. Can I get on board with censorship when Viacom owned MTV and BET censor words like work and supply? Good capitalist words. When a rapper uses them to talk about selling drugs. While we can hear Viacom's billionaire owner live and uncut, taped in a phone conversation, bribing a journalist to rat out its source. I sought to protect my little daughter from the cunnilingus rhymes of Azalea Banks. But is she truly more dangerous than the women pantomiming orgasms and shampoo commercials? Is it all somehow empowering? Maybe my plan backfired. Maybe my daughter can curse like a German sailor. What was I censoring exactly? Showing her rap was a white European in a superhero mask. I like Leave that. It at that. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to um, do something in dedication mm-hmm. of the year 1988. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit of 1988 by Ooh. Gas Lab and Trom Diggs. Nice. 88, I met her. She was tougher than leather. Followed a leader going off on my great adventure. By all means necessary, I had to have her. It takes two. She's the DJ and I'm the rapper. Strictly business at first, but now we in control. We made love like we straight out the jungle or straight out of Compton. I got power. Easy does it because I'm light as a rock. For one hour, I gave it critical beatdown. Assault with a deadly pepper. Long live the cane. Ain't no half-stepping. She thought it was a fad, but I'm supersonic. Plus, I'm in full effect with my mantronics. Chilling with my posse on Broadway. Yeah, I'm swat. Still, I think about her all day. It takes a nation of millions to hold me back, Lord, because I'm too hype and life is too short. Mm. Nice. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is Guest in the House. Another one. Another one. And you're going to keep fighting. And I'm, I'm not going to stop. I think I'm going to be right there with you. I appreciate it. As long brother. as I'm invited as a guest. Yeah, you're, you're, yes, you're riding <laughs> shotgun on this one. All right. <laughs> so that's a Guest in the House. We'll see you next yes, time. Yes, sir. Next time, y'all.